unexpected love in a hostile world. Let's begin with verse 15 instead of verse 14. Don't worry, I'm not skipping verse 14. We're going to come back to it, but it fits well with the verses below. I want to start here, though, with verse 15, a love of compassion. Three main uh, points to the sermon today. The first is that the love that we have for one another and for the lost in this world is to be a love of compassion. Listen to this very simple and yet incredibly profound command for us from the Apostle Paul. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Now, this is an interesting command because it's more than just data. This is not just, you know, gears turning. This is heart. This is emotion. This is feel, feel, engage your feelings, not just your facts. Okay, so for instance, when a prayer request comes across your email, it's not enough to know of a situation or even to then move in prayer the call for god's people is feel feel that request and pray join in there and so both in celebration and in grief so both in our rejoicing I, that i find the first command easier than the second command if you if you look at how they meet Rejoice with those who rejoice. The celebrating together is more natural, I feel. I was actually surprised by a lot of the commentators this week as I studied. They said rejoicing with those who rejoice was harder uh, because of envy and, and, and things like that. And I don't, I just don't, I don't agree. I feel like as a church body, if we are one in Christ and we are, we are doing the work of humility, then when, when God blesses or answers prayer and we celebrate an advancement or a, uh, the gift of a child or whatever it may be, uh, the circumstance that was resolved or something happens that is exciting, that celebration is natural. But it's, it, it's, it, it's also commanded. Right? So remember that. It's not just that we're, we're high-fiving. It's that we are joining together for God's glory in saying, we praise you, God. We praise you. So I feel like sometimes in prayer requests, which is where a lot of times these kind of happen, the, the, the prayer is the context for most of this engagement. Okay. Sometimes in prayer requests, praises don't get emphasized enough. Okay. And this is just a subtle... Uh, encouragement to to emphasize praises as well as needs um, recently the guys at my bible study table on wednesday night they asked how can we pray for you and i was overwhelmed with praises i just was i just said guys tonight it's just praises just praises join with me in thanking the lord for the things he's doing answers to prayer different ways that he's worked let's praise him together that's good to do as well sometimes when we are focused on on needs and praying we miss the opportunity to to notice when he answers those prayers and so rejoicing with those who rejoice is, is such an important part of our both relational connection as as a community and our ascribing to god all the glory for the way he moves and works uh, especially in the context of prayer. Now, weeping with those who weep. This engages that, that heart. 
that Christ had, right? That heart of compassion, the heart that is more than just, oh, that's heavy. No, it's, it stirs my heart with such a weight that I would be moved even to tears because of the situation that you are in. Think of that. Let me ask this question. When was the last time you wept over a situation that was not your own? When was the last time you, you just felt the weight and, oh, it's so heavy, and you just, oh, Lord, I just feel this. And it moved you to tears. This should be an experience common among believers as we walk in challenging times. Friends, we have a number of circumstances in our church right now. They are heavy, weighty, difficult. I think especially of Dean and Luciana and all that they're going through, these updates and just the, the challenge of having a spouse go through the, the, the brutal journey of cancer. God brought them to our church, not just to know about, but to feel that journey and pray in, in that way. Soft hearts fully invested. I, I just feel like God has done so much to us. He has, he has changed our hearts and he has given us a capacity to love that we never knew before. We love because he first loved us, right? That, it's not just a vertical love. It's out here, love your neighbor as yourself, right? So the way that we love is all informed by the way we've been loved, and it is a heart of compassion that is to be on display. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, if you are the body, uh, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So there it is, kind of an echo even from last week of our unity and how there is in this unity in a broken world a celebration and even a grieving together. Think weddings. Oh, I love weddings. We get to be together and we praise the Lord for what He's done and we, we, we celebrate with a new couple together as we send them into the work of vow-keeping till death do them part. No small task, right? But then even at funerals, I love funerals too. Because in this, as believers, we testify to the invincible life that we have in Christ. But we also, as Jesus did over the tomb of Lazarus, we weep together. We feel that loss. It's not just they feel it. It's that we feel it together. This is right. This is God honoring. And it is commanded in Scripture. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. The word there denotes a deep um, stirring of the guts, as it were. The bow, it's just like, a, oh, you feel it. You, he saw the crowds. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus didn't just see data. He wasn't just seeing facts. He felt compassion deep in his bones. Oh, I feel that. And then what did he do with it? He moved to engage them in tangible ways. These are examples for us as we walk in a broken and hurting and dark world. Now, the beauty of empathy 
also brings along with it danger. Just like anything good, empathy can be horribly mishandled. Okay? And I want to bring this up because it's interesting. Uh, sympathy has been around lo long, a long time. Empathy has been more recent, kind of a modern understanding, and it has a bit of a psychology bent to it. But I think compassion is a wonderful word. Uh, empathy has with it this, like, enter into what I'm feeling. That's right and good. And it's important that we do that. Feel it with me. But there's a danger there. Empathy must not be blind emotion. Okay? You may have come across a situation. Just, you know what? If you love me, just join me in my anger. I am angry right now. And if you want to love me, then I need a partner in this anger. We will be angry together. And so I'm, I'm angry. Wait, what are we angry about? That's what I'm angry about. And we're going to get our signs and we're going to go down and we're going to be angry together. Friends, the BLM movement, I think, was fanned a bit in the church because of probably noble beginnings of empathy and, and care and love. The problem is, is that it just became, be angry with us. We're going to protest. We're going to march. And wait, what are we doing? Okay, breaking windows now. Okay, let's what, hold on. Why are we angry? Should we be angry? So one of the things to remember in the midst of the pain is it's not automatically love to just blindly jump into the pool and drown together in it. Sometimes the more loving thing is to say, listen, let me put a, put a foot into the pool and reach down, meet you where you are, but also keep a solid footing on the truth and, and, and help heal this by gently, right? Not, you don't just run up like Job's friends and be like, dude, this is messed up. You must have sinned. No, that's not love. That's not help. There is a time to enter in and just weep together. Yes, but there is also a time to say, um, let me help direct your heart to what we know is true. The promises of God. One of the most important things to do for people who are in pain and just falling apart is to point them to Christ. Point them to Christ. How precious he is. Look at how he has loved. Look at what he has done to meet us in our suffering. So be careful with empathy and compassion. It's not to be blind. In fact, we're called to, to be those who speak the truth in love. Not just running in and, and beating people over the head. Hey, Romans 8, 28. Lighten up, buddy. You know, that's not what we are to do. Not at all. But don't ever surrender Romans 8, 28. That is the most amazing promise for the believer who's suffering. God is at work here. We don't understand it all, but he's at work. And there is a time and a place to help steer and direct gently and kind, with kindness and, and, and care but to the truth. So, we are those who are called to feel. A love of compassion, verse 15. Now, verse 16, a love of impartiality. Uh, this is such an important word. This is Bible talk. 
Okay, so we need to know this word. What does it mean to be partial? What does it mean to be impartial? Well, love, biblical love, is a love that is impartial. Listen to how this goes. Three commands that are almost inseparable here. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And never be wise in your own sight. Look at the echo here of previous weeks. Humility is at its very heart, right? Oh, friends, pride is a petri dish of sin. It grows sin. All kinds of horrific sin come out of pride. And so when we rightly assess ourselves before the holiness of God and we are humbled before Him, dependent upon Him, in faith, trusting Him, that's the most you know, biblical understanding of humility is faith. I need, I trust, I, I look, I draw from you in all things then we will begin to see this world differently. Live in harmony with one another. So, to put it negatively, three, three sins are in view here. Divisiveness. We are to not be those who are divisive. We are to be those who are harmonious or those who, who live in harmony with one another. We are not to be those who are partial, who give preference to this person because of these things and not to this person or these people because of these things. And we are to not be those who walk in pride. James has a lot to say that really dovetails well with this passage in, in uh, Romans. He says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That includes in churches, right? We've got to be aware of that. Just because we are one in Christ does not mean we, we have to put our guard down for these kinds of things. We have to all the more. We are targets of the enemy now. When we gather, when we're committed to Christ and, and loving one another, we become uh, bullseye targets for the enemy. And this is the way he loves to attack. Usually it's not blatant. It's subtle. It's subtle. It's a form of pride here. It's a divisive word here. Oh, how easy this happens in the church. I've seen it take place. It's, it's, it, it goes together with this, this, uh, this blind empathy. Um, had a situation where I was doing some counseling for a young lady and was encouraging her to Christ. And she... Um, told someone that, that she thought that I thought that she wasn't saved. Well, I didn't say that, but I didn't know because her life was not giving lots of evidence of her salvation. And so I was just pointing her to Christ. And so then her friend got incensed at me for accusing her of not being saved. And then guess what? Boom! Church-wide. And became this gigantic point of division and it all traced back to a relatively uh, peaceful counseling meeting where I was sitting and, and pointing this young lady to Christ. So I would just say we have to be on guard against this, this selfish ambition, this jealousy, any kind of, uh, of divisiveness in the church. Here is the best approach always. If you are offended by someone, don't send your wife don't send your husband. 
Don't send your best friend. Go to the person directly. In love, talk to them. Listen, this exchange, it didn't go like I was hoping. Um, I actually was kind of disappointed. I was frustrated by it. I was, I was hurt. And I love you too much to not bring it up. Maybe that you completely misunderstood the, cir- the circumstance. Maybe that this isn't as big a deal as you thought. But don't hold it and simmer. And don't share it to raise an army and divide. Harmony. It means to be like-minded, which is interesting because when we think of harmony, we think of, of, of differences in unity, right? Different instruments playing together, different voices singing different parts, but in such a way that it's beautiful and it blends together. That's true. But in this sense, the, the idea here is to be like-minded. Share the same love. Who is that? Christ. We, we have the same purpose. What is that? The kingdom. And his glory. We've been knit together to be one. When it comes to partiality, there's no better passage than from James. Listen to James here. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in, And you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and you say, oh, come down, sit in the front row. This is the best place to sit in the whole room. You pay attention to the one in the fine clothing, sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, "Uh, you know, (laughs) how about the overflow? Maybe by the door. Sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Evil thoughts. What are those evil thoughts? Let's just ask a question. Why would that ever happen in the context of the church? Giving preference to a rich person and not to a poor person. Well, selfish ambition, evil desire, covetousness, envy, pride. Go down the list. Listen, my beloved brothers, has God, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. He goes on for many more verses describing how important it is to love one another the same. Partiality is when I set one thing as the priority and then I divide people. I start forming groups, classes. We're watching the uh, uh, documentary on the total nightmare mess that took place in Hillsong over in New York. And this is one of the things they were doing. They had a VIP section with security. And, you know, really well-known people would come in these secret entrances and then be ushered into the VIP section. But normal people could not sit there. They did exactly what this passage says never to do. It just happened in New York. This can be done on the basis of ethnicity. Racism in the church, never, never. Not Jew or Gentile. Not black or white. Not any distinction of ethnicity should ever 
be witnessed in the people of God. We're one in Christ. Let it be clear. Gender, man or woman. There's only two. Let's be clear. Does that, does we just say that. There's two genders. Male, female. God created them. He blessed them. He called them good. But never ever in the church should there be some kind of elevation of one gender over another. The way we treat one another, the way we fail to regard one another should never happen in the church. We should operate as God commands us to operate with distinction, right? There are differences, and those differences are for his glory. There are different roles that we're called to, but equal in value, different in role, as God has called us. Financial situation, as James uh, gave an example of, education, age, I love absolutely love how we have moved past any sense of oh they're kids this isn't really their church until they grow up and become adults like us that's that's not that has no place here these kids are as much a part of our community as their parents we're together in this why we love to see the kids serving being a part of the ministry if you're older it doesn't mean you're you're you're, you're past your due date right? Doesn't mean you're irrelevant anymore. We love gray hairs in this place. There's a place for you at the front and we need you to fill it. Be a part. What a blessing God has given. Look at the, the diversity of age range he has given in our church. What a gift. There are churches that don't have that. And God has blessed us in this way. It's a privilege. Different abilities, different vocations, or even popularity that should never come into account among God's people. We're together. We're family. Never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own sight. This is an interesting way of saying, basically, you're, you're not to think more highly of yourselves as you ought, just which he commanded us previous, in, in previous verses. Or in Philippians 2, I like how he says it there, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's important to remember. What does it say about us? Well, sin is automatically in me going to say, I'm the most important person in the room. That's what sin says to my heart. And pride wells up, and then I begin to treat others as if they're not as important as me. That is in all of us. That's what sinners instinctually do. That's default. Christ in us flips it. He says, forget about yourself. Don't think about yourself. Consider others first. Count others more significant. Put others first. Just like Jesus did when he washed the feet of the disciples. He didn't sit there and say, well, this is, this is what should happen. And these guys, they're arguing about, you know, who should be washing the feet. They don't, they don't have it sorted out. He got up. And he dressed like a slave. And he got down, poured water, and he washed their grimy feet. And he showed us the way. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. We're members of the same body. We're one in Christ. Now, we've got a love of compassion, a love of impartiality, and then here verses 14 and 17 through 18 a love of blessing and peace these may be the most challenging for us today 
Listen to these verses. Bless those who persecute you, Christians. Bless and do not curse them. Bless them. Don't curse them. Just a side note on this. I think it needs to be said. The profane Christian defames the name of Christ. We should never, I mean never, be heard cursing as the world does. Giving freedom to rage and anger in the form of cuss words. Friends, let's be clear. Our mouth was not made by God to curse. It was made to bless. Bless even our enemies. Okay, Even when it comes to politics. Careful. That's why FJB has no place for us. Right? That's why Let's Go Brandon does not take place among our body. It's profane. It has no place for us. We don't join the gutter of the world to make a point. Repent. Repent, friends. Some of you have come up in homes where this is just normal and natural. I went to public school. I, I know what it sounds like to cuss a blue streak. Man, in seventh grade, I had buddies that were cussing worse than sailors. I, I, it blew my mind. I came out of a Christian school in sixth grade, straight in seventh grade, and I learned a lot of words that first year in public school. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. I'm telling you. Controlling your tongue. Don't go down that road. Stand out in the workplace, friends. Don't cuss. Don't cuss. In the context of those who are persecuting you, actively harming you, addressing you in a way that belittles you, hurts your feelings, laughing at you, bless. Don't curse. This is a gospel-enabled response. Friends, it was modeled by Jesus. He is the one who showed us the way on this. Right? He wasn't reviling in return. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He knows that God the Father sees and hears every single word. He kept quiet before his accusers. He even prayed, Father, forgive them. Stephen prayed, likewise, Hold this not against him. This is a gospel-enabled response. And friends, I, I'm all for being active politically. I'm all for uh, standing against the tide of evil and darkness. But there is a way to do that that honors God, and there is a worldly, godless way. And we've got to parse the difference. We have to stand out in this. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus takes it and he says, listen to this. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's not hard to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what the world does. Well, everybody that thinks the way I do, I love them. Everybody that thinks the opposite of me, especially in the world of politics or whatever it may be, economics, right? I hate them. I hate him. 
Do you? Jesus doesn't allow for that. Our king said no to that. You're to love them. Let's just abide them. Love them and pray for them. Hmm. This is how it gets us to verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This is a fascinating verse. The instinct is, if you you stomp on my foot, well, I'm going to stomp on your foot. So that you feel the pain that you inflicted, you're going to feel that pain back. You burn my house down, you better watch out. Your house is about to burn down. You see the instinct, right? It's that, that revenge. It's in us. If you do this to me, how dare you inflict this upon my life? You better watch your back because it's coming. Up, it's coming. I'm going I'm to bring it tenfold on you. This is not the way of the Christian. Repay no one. <laughs> That's brutal. No one. No one. Evil for evil. Don't miss that. Don't sin against someone because they sinned against you. Friends, this applies to marriage. (laughs) This this is not just out there. That's in here. That's in your home. Siblings, brother, sister, this applies to you. Imagine if we lived this way, how it would shine. More and more. Well, I was triggered. Oh, I was triggered. I just reacted. What did you expect? It's not my fault. You know who I am. You, this is how I am. This is how we are. I, I love it when the family name is, is brought in. You know, this is who we are. Hey, we're Pickenses. This is just what we do. You step on us, we squash you. Is that how we roll? <laughs> oh, it sounds so funny to say. Oh, I've been on this one. Not my fault. It's your fault. You're the reason I lost my temper. You're the reason that I had to sin. It's your fault. If they didn't want me to respond the way I did, well, then they shouldn't have done fill in the blank. Friends, no matter how we put it, the fact remains the same. There is never, never a fitting time for the Christian to justify their sin, even in response to the sin of another. We are not called to be those who justify our sins. If you start down this road, there is no end. Let's be clear. You can justify just about any kind of behavior. And you will find your morals and your ethics on the slide of worldliness. The standard is set. The call is repay no one evil for evil. That's the bar. If anyone... Oh, man. Jesus just kills us here. This is... Oh, I wrestled with this all week long. This is insane, friends. It's crazy how high the bar is. Listen to this. Jesus says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, then turn to him the other also. 
If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, then give him your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go too. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Friends, this is revolutionary language. This is, this is subversive to everything that is instinctual to us. It's hard to process. Now, let's be clear. There's wisdom to be employed here, right? The goal is not to harm. The goal is to help, right? So we don't just wander around and give our money out to, to every single person who's in a situation. We want to actually help them. So wisdom is to be applied here. This is not just blind, just come pummel me and, and, and take all my possessions and, and you know, burn me to the ground. No, we're to be wise with this. But does it not reveal the instinct of self? It shows us how often our love is inward and how Jesus called us as his disciples to be those who are pouring out blessing even those who would offend, who would attack. It's tenacious love to bless and pray for enemies. I just want to add this. One of the most important ways you can bless your enemy is with the gospel. The gospel. Read about Corey Ten Boom. It is spectacular, the stories she tells. After surviving the uh, death camp that she was in where her sister perished, she was teaching about what she had learned about forgiveness. And there was a man who came up who was a prison guard in that camp. And he held out his hand and he says, I've been forgiven by Jesus Christ for the things that I did at that camp. And I just wanted to say hi to you this morning. She remembered this man. And she froze. She froze as these passages blasted her in her heart. She could not get her hand to come up. And then all of a sudden she sought obedience. Lord, help me. Help me love as I have been loved. Help me forgive as I have been forgiven. This is the call of the Christian. And she reached out and shook this man's hand. And a wave of relief met her in that moment. It's tenacious love. We have been forgiven much. Oh, forgive. Forgive. Repay no one evil for evil. This is a fascinating phrase here. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Give thought. <laughs> when you're mad, that tends not to be the thing that you do. When you're mad, you tend to shut down thinking and just whatever happens, happens. Instead of that, stop. Ponder. Consider. Give thought, Christian to do what is honorable in the sight of all. What does this look like, maybe? Well, here's some thoughts. Stop and think. Number one, it's not just me I represent. This is not just me. It's not just my family I represent. I represent the king of kings and his kingdom. I am placed here by God to be a representative 
of what Jesus is to me as I engage you? Will, uh, what will honor my king and display his heart? <laughs> right? It's not wrong to ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? As long as you've already first asked, what did Jesus do to save me? Right? So he has already accomplished my salvation. I am in him. Now, how can I be the kind of Christ-like shine in this world? How can I show forth his love? How can I honor my brothers and sisters? Friends, I, 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 I mean, think of this out in the world. When you're out in the county, you don't just represent Jesus. You represent Good Shepherd. You represent the church. We all do. All of us. What response might open a door for the gospel? Oh, man, that we would run to this inclination. Oh, I know what I would like to do in this moment. But if I'm serious about evangelism and shining, what might indeed open a door? Well, unexpected love in a hostile world. That's what we're talking about. Escalate or de-escalate? That's the question. Oh man, we can spin it up. We can go to the rally. We can get all cranked up. Yeah! Time to take back DC. Yes! Okay, let's do that. Great, let's do that. But in the way and with a tone that honors King Jesus above all else. These are the fruits we're called to. Love, joy, peace. More on that coming. Patience, kindness, kindness even to enemies. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Oh, this word, friends, that we could latch on to this word even more as believers. What does it look like to be gentle? And self-control. That last one, whew, that meets us here. That's woven through all the other fruits, isn't it? Self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Will we be those who get off the carousel, right? Sometimes in an argument, like you get this family thing going and someone says something and offends somebody and then you get offended and then you join in. And who, like it can spin up. Uh, it's like a top. It'll just spin up, only it's getting faster and faster. At some point, someone has to step off and say, okay, let's calm down, guys. Let's, let's, let's just pull back from this. Who's going to do that? The Christian's going to do that. That's our job. We're, we're called to be those who make peace, who de-escalate rather than escalate. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Self-control. Self-control. That can happen on Facebook too. The fingers of fools just pour out folly. You just let it rip. You represent Jesus there. We represent Jesus there. If possible, here's the, this is such an awesome verse. I have gone to this over and over in my life and prayed, Lord, help me here. Help me do this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, everyone. 
not just the people like me who think like me, but everyone. Hmm. Are we going to be peacetakers or peacemakers? That's the question. Peacetakers or peacemakers? We're going to be those who, when inserted into the situation, there's de-escalation, there's a calming effect, there's a, like a, a balm, a soothing peace that moves over a situation. That's us. That's our role in this world. Or are we going to be those that show up and bring the blade? Well, you're going to wish you hadn't got me involved. Because I'm going to say it like it is. Right? Is that, is that who we are? That's, that doesn't square with these. If possible, I love that, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the Bible will never command you to do something that God will not enable you to do in obedience. If possible, so far as it depends on you, what does this mean? It means it's not always possible. It's not always possible. Sometimes you do everything you can, and it still just falls to pieces. The marriage, right? We've been there. I've seen that happen. Ignatius love, keep the vow. I won't quit. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she says, I hate you. I'm done. Well, to stand before God one day and say, Lord, I tried everything. I did everything I possibly could. I poured out my heart. I prayed. I waited. I sought you. I sought to obey and address my sin. It wasn't possible for peace in this situation. He understands. The whole point of this is, don't let your sin be the hang-up. Don't allow your sin be the thing that prevents peace. Ever. Ever. Family situation. Workplace. Feud. Don't ever let the Christian be the one that hangs up the peace. If possible, so far as it depends on you. What about peace at all costs? This is important to ask. There are churches that ascribe to this and... Uh, compromise constantly just have to point this out we are never called by god to compromise truth for the sake of peace let's be clear if something goes down and someone accuses you falsely of doing something you didn't do don't apologize for the sake of peace and lie that's not godly don't lie and say i'm so sorry that I did this when you didn't do it. You got to remember this. It's so important. Marriage, couples in, in marriage, peace at all costs does not honor God. If possible, so far as it depends on you, do what is necessary. Own your sin. Release and forgive the sin of the other person, but don't fabricate truth for the sake of peace. It's really important. Churches will compromise and fall to pieces over this, trying to keep everybody happy. It's just about peace. It's just about, no. It's also about holiness, first and foremost. Listen to James on this. The wisdom from above that we ask for from God is first, he says, pure. He doesn't say peace first. He says pure first. Then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, 
full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial and sincere. It's almost an echo of our passage here. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, we hold fast to the word of God. We tenaciously stick to what is true and right and holy. We don't fabricate lies to make peace. But we pursue it with all our hearts. And we pray, Lord, bring peace. Make us peacemakers in this world for your glory. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. That means happy. Happy are the peacemakers. Not the strife stirrers, but the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. They reflect who I am. They reflect me. He's a peacemaking God. So our response this morning, here's a list of different ways that we can walk in this world. Especially out, outside these walls. It's possible to be to the, the cold-hearted, unfeeling, just distant Christian. Oh, that's going on. Oh, that's too bad. Right? Like the soldier whose unit was killed and then the new recruits come in and they're just like, just, I don't even want to know your name. Like, stay, stay away. That is not who we are to be. We are to be full-on, invested, seeing, feeling, praying, loving. Or the bitter, snappy, cursing Christian. Or the way-too-good-for-you Christian. The arrogant Christian. These, these are just all antithetical to the gospel, aren't they? The sin-justifying, I'm-just-reacting Christian. The vengeful, hair-trigger Christian. The, the one that people in the workplace are like, just eggshells with this guy. You know, just careful what you say, because, man, if they, if they go off, it is just awful. That's not us. It's not us. We've been set free from these things, friends. By the God of peace, he's described this way in the Scriptures, the God of peace, who sent his Son, who's known, friends, as the Prince of Peace, who died for our sins and redeemed us to be a people of peace people of peace. So I want to close with this verse. Put on then, Good Shepherd Community Church, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you have given us a high calling here. And but for your help, we can't do this. This is too much. It's too much for us. And so it's right that we look to you and say, help us, Lord. This is a gospel-dependent kind of fruit. And we need our roots deep, planted firmly in the work of Christ and the love that we've experienced from you to draw out this kind of love and hold it out to those in our world. We pray as a church, Father, that we would be defined by this kind of love more and more. That, that this county would be struck by the love that we show to one another that flows from the love You've shown to us. And that there would be an evangelistic love that would overflow to, to those who are in the dark and hurting and desperately in, in need of Your love. We pray that You would use us to love lavishly as we have been loved. 
Make us this way, we pray more and more, Lord. Thank you for your love. We delight in it today. And we want to honor you in our response this week in the way that we walk. In Jesus' name, amen.